Coming up on episode 197 of Wheel Bearings, Roberto Baldwin drives the Acura TLX Type S at Laguna Seca and the Ducati Multistrada V4. Nicole and I take polar opposites from the GM SUV lineup, the 2021 Chevy Suburban, and I have the 2021 Buick Envision. In the news, we talk about the F-150 Lightning Pro, Ford and SK Innovation team up to produce lithium-ion batteries, Kia launches their new EV6, and we talk about the weight problem with the Hummer EV, and we answer some listener questions. And finally, if you like the show, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen that allows reviews. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 197 of Wheelbearings. I'm Sam Abual Samich from Guidehouse Insights. I'm Nicole Wakelin from Autobytel. And I am uh, Roberto Baldwin, and I have a new YouTube channel called Roll. So just look up Roberto Baldwin on YouTube and you'll figure it out. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Well, who wants to go first? Robbie, what'd you hey, join this week? I will go first. Uh, this pa- it wasn't this past week, but it was, uh, uh, I feel like a few weeks ago, probably. I drove the new Acura 2021 TLX Type S. Type Ooh, S. Type S is back. Ooh. Type S is back. Acura is back as a uh, as a performance. I mean, they came back with the NSX in 2015, but you know, not everyone can afford an NSX. Very uh, few. So they can, yeah, very few people what? can afford. You're kidding. I know. I've been asking around. It turns out not everyone's independently wealthy. <laughs> well, and, and even of those who are independently wealthy, very few of them are buying NSXs, unfortunately. Which is insane because the NSX is an amazing vehicle. It's, Agreed. It's it's so wonderful. You get all the the fun of a supercar and all the 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 reliability and dependability of an Acura slash Honda. Indeed. What's 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 there not to love? <laughs> uh, so I drove the Acura TLX Type S. Uh, they let me drive it at Laguna Seca, which was Ooh, fun. That's so always a bonus. Yeah, yeah, I got to drive it down the corkscrew. Um, it is an impressive vehicle. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It is quick. It has uh, a, a a turbocharged uh, it's it dual spool turbocharged uh, V6, which they built specifically for this vehicle. Um, it has uh, you know you put it. What's nice is when you get into one of these vehicles and when you when you put this thing in sport plus mode, you can feel the tension, like the the steering ratio changes. You feel everything getting ready to to attack whatever you're about to do. But then you put it in comfort mode, and it's actually you know a very comfortable vehicle. You could you know drive it to Vegas or or I don't know whatever people do on the weekends. Drive really far. 
I love um, it when that button actually makes a difference because sometimes you push the, you know, sport comfort button and you're sitting like, I feel absolutely nothing. I hear absolutely nothing. Like you yeah. can't tell the difference. So exactly. All they do is remap the, the, uh, the pedal. Yeah, you're like, this, yeah. Is, this is nothing anybody can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's, you know, they, they, uh, they, they pulled the brake system over from the NSX, which, uh, which is great because the brake throw is really short. But it's not like the Julia where if you, you, you step on it and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, you still have a lot of control, but it's very short. And, and, and I love good brakes because good brakes keep me from running into things. This is true. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I like pulled up the website as we're talking. Fifty two thousand dollars. That's all it starts at. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a little bit cheaper than I think the A4 and whatever BMW that's kind of impressive for 52 yeah 50,300 to be precise according to their site so it is a it is a very tech orientated uh you know sports sedan you know they're using electronic brakes uh you know the they're adjusting the steering ratio and everything through electronics everything is electronic which most cars you know they do it but but the the automaker doesn't really make a big deal about it um and acura is sort of saying yeah we're, we're doing this and the result is a, a pretty large, wide sedan that feels smaller than it actually is when you drive in it, which I, to me is always a plus when you get into a, a sports sedan and it ends up feeling like, you know, whatever series or whatever class lower than what it is. If it feels smaller and nimble, then that's, you know, a plus good job engineers. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's nice, you know, when, for, when you're going to, when you have a car that you're going to be, dri- you know, using it as a daily driver, to have that little bit of extra room to, to spread out, especially, I mean, in your case, you know, you're, you're tall, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so having that, having that extra room, I'm sure you appreciate, um, you know, but then, you know, to not have it feel like it's huge when you're, you know, when you're going out, you know, hitting the, the, uh, you know, the, the country roads on the Saturday morning. Yeah, it is. It, it, I really, really liked it. I was, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I've been a Honda fan ever since, you know, my second car, which was a Honda. And then my third car was my Honda. And then my fourth car was a Honda. Um, but you know, you have to sort of look at where the market is and where this car fits in that segment. And in that segment, it's a, it's a pretty screaming deal and it's the return of the type S and, you know, they're going to be start, you know, an MDX is going to have a type S of course, because everyone has to have a really fast SUV, but there's going to be more type S's coming down the line, which I'm very happy to report. And yeah, Acura is properly coming back as that, you know, the, the precision crafted performance uh, brand within the Honda. Yeah, I saw so, the MDX coming as a Type S. I love I love that car. So I'm excited to see a Type S in that. That makes me happy. <laughs> so yeah. I've, I've got a question for you, uh, Robbie, since you, we haven't talked about an Acura since you joined the lineup. Um I'm curious to hear your impressions of the Acura type touchpad because it's okay. been a, a fairly oh, yeah. controversial element uh, ever since they launched it on the RDX a couple of years ago. So I, okay, so here I use a tablet with a pen, like a Wacom tablet. And the way a tablet works instead of like a touchpad is wherever my pen is, that's where the mouse is on the screen. So absolute so I, positioning. Absolute positioning. That's what I use when I use a computer when I work on computer. I'm actually holding my pen right now. It's just like second nature to have I, it in my hand. He's waving it at the screen. It's proof. Can, yes, I, <laughs> I'm waving it. Um, and so when they put me in the the RDX when they first launched it, I was like, oh, this makes complete sense to me. 
And, you know, I've gotten in the MDX uh, last week when I went to, to drive the, the TLX and then went to TLX. So I actually like it um, just because I don't have to reach really far. They have that little um, area where you can place your hand and wherever my finger is, that's where it is on screen. And so if I learn that the navigation is the top left hand corner, I just put my finger in the top left hand corner. I don't have to look at the screen. I don't have to look at the touchpad. I can look at the road and, and, and enable that. It's sort of, it's, it's the sort of one of the, well, it's sort of the closest thing to having that muscle memory of where the buttons are when you actually have buttons in your car, you know, you just kind of reach over and you turn up the heat turn it down or adjust the volume it's sort of it's 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 almost like that and so i i understand people who are like absolutely hate it but i think if you had it for like a few weeks you would sort of i think i think you would get used to it so roberto is the one person that likes the t- no i'm just kidding it's like it feels like most people that like <laughs> oh, it it's I, you I, I it's like just it. you <laughs> you I like it you like it I, Sam? I do like it yeah yeah it is. I, I do think it's very confusing for people who are used to a touchpad on their, their laptop. And when they first do it, you know, you're used to swiping and moving and doing things. And I think that is very frustrating. And, and I've had a few people who have asked, asked about, you know, in their computing lives using uh, a, like a Wacom tablet to work. And I'm like, the first two weeks are going to suck because your br- it takes a while to rewire your brain to wherever your you know absolute positioning, wherever your hand is, wherever the pen is, that's where your mouse is. And so I think it's the same thing with the with Acura's uh, touchpad system. I just I, and I think that's that's true. It just takes a little bit. Of, like if I spent more than a week at a time with it, it would probably become intuitive very quickly. It's just because we're always in these cars for a week or like you know a day when we're doing a drive program. But it does seem like it would just be something that you would get the hang of over time you know like any of them like using any infotainment you just have to use them for a while and most of them you start to become comfortable with yeah the 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 big bummer though is that doesn't work in android auto or carplay so then you're like kind of scrolling like it's a lexus and then that's a pain in the ass so there is that (laughs) (laughs) all right so you um you also had something else that you're um writing uh that you were talking about is, is just before we started recording yeah, I actually, I, I rode in, I threw my helmet down. It's right behind my, my chair because I was running late. I am riding the Ducati Multistrada V4. And you know, it's a motorcycle. And if you're not into motorcycles, you know, fine. But what this bike has, um, it's the first production bike that has it, is radar for adaptive cruise control and uh, blind spot monitoring. So I, I, you can turn on adaptive cruise control on a motorcycle and I've been using it and it works really well. And my concern was, you know, there's a complacency when you drive a car, when you start using adaptive cruise control and lean keep assist, you, you sort of start getting lazy about paying attention to what's going on. Uh, I think where the difference is when you ride a motorcycle is that you're tuned to always be super uber alert about what's going on around you. So that for me, that hasn't changed. While, while I'm using it. So if you're a very alert motorcycle rider, then you, it'll be unlikely that that's going to change, but it does make it. So you're, you know, your right hand, you don't get that like claw of always holding the accelerator the entire time, you know, rolling up, you know, every time I have to move, if you have to do anything with your right hand, whenever you let go, your, your the motorcycle just slows down. <laughs> So, so this this isn't a sport bike, right? I forget uh, what the what the classification of this bike is. It is. Um, um, or- it's it's it's. So it, it it's a it, it, it's the multi strata line and okay. multi mini and then strata. It's so the idea is that it's, yeah, it's four <laughs> different bikes in one. So it's a touring bike. 
you can set it in sport bike mode. You can set it in enduro mode. You go offline, off, I'm sorry, offline, off-road. And then there is an urban setting that makes it easier. The The shifts aren't as, as uh, they're, they're smoother. It's a smoother shifting because you're shifting so much when you're in an urban environment. And the first time I rode one of these, I rode the 1260 a few years ago. I was like, okay, it's the jack of all trades, master of none. And that's how I went into it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, they're expensive bikes, you know, but, but it, it actually feels like all those bikes when you do it and, you know, it's not the best sport bike. It's not the best enduro bike. It's not, but it is uh, a really good, almost like facsimile of those bikes while you're riding. It's sort of, I buy this one bike and I can do all the things I want to do instead of buying a sport bike and an enduro bike and a touring bike and a commuter bike. I can buy one bike, have all those things. And most of the time, you know, with these bikes, people either are touring with them or they're commuting with them because they have a very high, you know, a high seating position. You can see pretty far. They're great for commuting. Um, you know, I had to do a lot of lane splitting to get here. <laughs> I still was late, but to get here, <laughs> not so you crazy said, late. You said it's an expensive bike. So what counts as, like, what is an expensive bike? Uh, like twenty thousand dollars, like they're, okay. they're, yeah. It's you know. You're, I'm the person who doesn't know so, a lot about motorcycles. Well, I'll, I'll you know wait. fess up to begin with. So I'm like, what counts as an expensive bike? I was curious. It, compared to a Harley Livewire, that's a bargain. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Har I, I I I am I am torn by the Harley Livewire because you can get a zero. Zero is an uh, electric mm -hmm. motorcycle company. They've been around for years. Their bikes are just gotten progressively better. Everyone got excited about the Harley Livewire because it's Harley, it's the Livewire, but the Zero is like $10,000 cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, you're paying, you're sort of paying for the Harley name. And I, and, and I haven't ridden the Livewire yet, so I can't like really judge it on how well it rides or doesn't ride. But those Zeros, especially the last five years, they've, they've really brought it. They've, they've put out some really great bikes with some wonderful, um, you know, accessories and, and, and components, uh, you know, and, you know, they have sort of bikes for for different different types of riding i'm gonna let my cat out because he's just sitting say, meowing your poor, your poor cat in the background <laughs> i was wondering whose cat it was <laughs> hold on give right. two seconds the the, the catio was right outside my window the in my what? office like i built a catio it's like a patio for your cats a so they can catio. go outside but they don't like go outside they don't you know, like screened in like a screen okay. yeah it's like screened area. in it's like it's like a a, a, a lanai for your cats like a little screened in porch <laughs> for your kitty okay yeah right. yeah so that's, so that's he so came fair. in and then suddenly he needed out of here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it starts at twenty thousand dollars it's you know it's it's a it's a fun bike um i really you know and then adding the addition any additional safety on a bike is always i'm always all for it yeah and especially you know something like the uh, the blind spot monitoring seems like that would be a, a really handy feature to have yeah they're they're you know for the most part when you're riding or when i'm riding at least i am constantly checking my mirrors but there's also that look back where you're looking left and right before you change lanes but every once in a while you like you look in your mirror and someone's just flying and that you you don't see them and you miss them you start to move over and all of a sudden you're just, yeah and you, you just you're like you know you're that close to death <laughs> and so having the blind spot marine like it pops up on your you know on your side mirror like it does in in a in an automobile and you're like oh there's a there's a car coming or there's a car right there and so you know that that right there to me is is i mean that's worth the price of admission and the adaptive cruise control is fun. It's great. It you know keeps your right hand from getting tired. Um, but the the blind spot monitoring, 
it's 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 pretty great. You know, they have. Is that it like a car where you have to like start paying extra to get these little bits on the motorcycle, or do they like you know like the trim level kind of thing, or is it on everyone? Like, it's it's on everyone. It's sort of their selling point for this one. Okay. Um, but you know, I I can see where they're you know they can kind of you know start selling things. I think yeah, I was just curious if it was like if you want this nifty gadget, you got to pay an extra X number of dollars. You know, or, or start start doing a subscription where you pay pay by the month for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone loves that. Everyone. Uh, <laughs> Nicole. Yeah. What, what have you been driving? I'm driving a very tiny little vehicle that is, you know, easy to drive che- around. Chevy and, Spark. Yeah, sure. Uh, Chevy Suburban, um, oh, and it okay. is it is same huge. Thing. Same thing. They're practically the same. I, I don't know that there's they both much have of a five difference. doors, right? You have I don't four understand doors. why they. Yeah, I don't understand why they sell both of them. They should really just have one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was driving the Suburban, um, so I could you know rip my house off a of foundation if I wanted and just tow it along with me, or maybe just stick it in the back seat because it's that big. Um, it's huge. It is a huge vehicle, but I had the one with the the three liter turbo diesel. Um, oh, so you so, really could pull your house off the foundation. So I, like, yeah, I really could pull my house right off the foundation should I choose to. Um, so that's two hundred and seventy seven horsepower, four hundred and sixty pound feet of torque. Um, it, you know what's freaky about driving it when you're not actually towing anything is that you mash the gas and it's huge. Like you, you have this sense of like, I'm getting on the highway. I'm going to need to move. I had better hit that gas hard or I'm going nowhere. But with that turbo diesel and nothing, you take off like nobody's business. It's like, whoops. Okay. <laughs> let me ease up on that a little bit. I don't need all that power and there's nothing in it, but me and my, my husband, that's it. You know? Um, <laughs> No, it was, it's, I like driving it. Um, It was funny. We had a contractor at the house for something and he was all about it. He's like, I want to replace my truck with this. I want to get this instead. Uh, You know, so he was all excited because of the diesel. That was his entire reason for wanting. He's like, I wouldn't get it without a diesel because I need something that has the oomph to be able to tow. What does this tow up to 8,000 pounds that this can tow? So it's, uh, it definitely, I thought that was interesting that he's, he's a truck guy, just a truck guy. But he's thinking, okay, I could actually move over to this because this gives me the benefits of having all the extra seating and the versatility, but it still can do some truck guy stuff and do the work mm-hmm. he needs it to do. Um, and it's it's a beautiful interior. I mean, it's got it. It's not cheap. This was, I got to double check here, eighty two thousand dollars. <laughs> so it's not it's not an an inexpensive choice. Uh, but if you're going to go for something that's you want that large SUV and you need the capability, I mean, it's a great way to go. And it has cool standard stuff like it is a 10.2 inch touchscreen. I love it when you don't have to. That's standard. Like you don't have to like, oh, you're going to get a four inch touchscreen on the very base. Strip. <laughs> if you want anything extra, shell out some money. It's like, no, you can get the base one. You're still going to get this giant touchscreen. So I was pleased with it. I liked it. Cool. And yeah. what what kind of fuel economy did you get with it? I never look at fuel economy. No. <laughs> I'm just terrible. I know I should. I just it's something I never think to look at in a vehicle. So um, and I well, should pay more attention. Spe- especially with the with the diesel. Yeah. You know, I, I think in that in that vehicle, I think that that's yeah that's an interesting element because you know right now <clears throat> I've got um, Cadillac Escalade in the driveway that's got the 6.2 liter V8 mm-hmm. and. It has a thirst for petroleum products, <laughs> uh, but you know, in, I, I'm, I can't remember the pricing in the suburban, but in the um, in the Cadillac, you you can actually get you can choose either the 6.2 gas V8 or the diesel for the same price. There's no price premium for the diesel, 
Um, and I think that I think that the price premium on this on the Chevy is about twenty five hundred dollars or something. Actually, like that. I'm double checking. It's saying uh, fifteen hundred dollars. If I'm reading oh, that okay. right, is that all? Okay, I believe it's fifteen. I'm yeah. looking at a sort of blurry copy of a Monroney here, um, but it looks like it's about fifteen for the diesel, which isn't that bad. It's a little upgrade, but the fuel economy it's supposed to get. Uh, it's supposed to be twenty two combined, which not bad, not great, yeah. but it's a it's big. Well, I, I mean, mean, this you know, is for, not a small vehicle. This is huge. So twenty two MPG, and if you're in a diesel, yeah. that's for, actually for not that bad. Something can carry eight passengers and tow eight thousand right. pounds. You know, I mean, right? That's, you can't complain about that. It is not. It is not a spark. You know, no, so. <laughs> it's, it is not. You could park a couple of sparks in the back if you fold the seats. You down, could though. park a couple in the back, tow a few on the back. You could just yeah. have a fleet of sparks wherever you go. Everyone could get out of the vehicle and get into their own spark and go about their business. When you, yeah. when, you, when, you when you go into Boston, you know you can park the park the suburban on the perimeter and then right. just drive the spark into town. You know that where, last and, and mile. That last it's the last miles. mile solution. Now exactly. that your last mile solution is buy a suburban and put a spark inside of it. It's, it's just like you know, back in the I think in the eight, in the late eighties or early nineties, Honda had a car in uh, in the Japanese market, a K car. Uh, it was the Honda City, I think, or it was either the City or the Today that actually had a little fold up motor scooter that went in the back. You know, so you could take that out. You know fold up the handlebars and everything and, and ride off in that thing. Same thing, you know, with the spark in a suburban, right. you know, and, the, and you can actually park the spark in downtown Boston. You could, and then it wouldn't be a scooter. So you would not be frozen to death for six months of the year, riding your scooter into Boston. You would be. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> so I also had a GM vehicle this week, a GM SUV. That's a little bit smaller than the suburban. I had the new Buick Envision. Uh, which is the, it's the second generation of the Envision. Um, and the Envision, for those that don't recall, is the first product that GM has imported to North America from China. It's actually built in China. It's built exclusively in China. Um, it's a compact crossover, you know, same size as an Equinox or RAV4, CRV, Ford Escape. <clears throat> um, and, you know, I think I, I, it's a really nice size. Yeah, you know, the first generation Envision was, yeah, you know, it, it was a nice vehicle to drive, but it was a little frumpy looking. You know, it wasn't wasn't real exciting to look at. Yeah, you know, this new one, you know, has I think a, a much more contemporary style to it. Yeah, you know, it, and it's got it in a lot of ways. It, it's more like um, the Mazda CX five, where you know they push the A pillars, the base of the windshield back a little bit, so you've got a little bit of that longer hood profile. Uh, you know, even though it's a front wheel drive, you know, front wheel drive slash all wheel drive crossover. Um, but it, you know, the, the interior, you know, is really nicely done. The, the, um, the touchscreen is angled towards the driver, you know, so, you know, very easy to, to hit that, uh, very easy to see it. Uh, it's got, um, the, the only engine available in there is the two liter, uh, four cylinder turbo, uh, GM's uh, four, two liter four cylinder turbo. In this particular vehicle, it's rated at 228 horsepower and 258 pounds feet of torque. Um, and you know, again, it it feels you know feels plenty strong enough. You know, there's no no shortage of performance here. You know, it's not going to outrun you know a Tesla Model Y performance or anything like that. But you know, it's more than adequate uh, for you know all of your your daily driving needs. <clears throat> um, the uh, the model I had also had all wheel drive, uh, and its uh, its fuel economy is rated at twenty two city twenty nine highway. I got twenty six 
um, all around over the course of a week. It's it's really nice to drive and, you know, quite quiet on the highway. The the one I had um, didn't have all of the, uh, you know, the, the kinds of ADAS, you know, driver assist features we've come to expect on a lot of vehicles today, like, you know, adaptive cruise control. Um, it did have blind spot monitoring and forward collision alert, but no ACC, uh, which was little bit annoying because I had to drive it all the way out to, you know, to Romeo, Michigan, um, to the Ford Proving Grounds to, uh, for the demo on the, uh, the F-150 Lightning. And, you know, that's, uh, it's like a 90, 85, 90 mile drive from my home. Uh, so I would have liked to have had, and, you know, I had to be there at eight in the morning. Uh, so very early, I would have liked to have had ACC for that trip, but alas, uh, I had to, um, you know, monitor my distance to other vehicles the whole time uh oh, your own. Oh. i know oh, there's a motorcycle you could have ridden there i know <laughs> i know I'm, I'm aware of but um nine speed automatic um said you know materials and fit and finish inside was you know was first rate uh no complaints there and um it uh it is priced the one i had was priced uh at forty one thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars uh, so this was the Essence model, which is the high-end trim. Starts at thirty-seven-six. This one was forty, almost forty-two thousand, including delivery. Um, interestingly, the, even though it's coming from China, the delivery charge is only twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> um, you know, whereas I mean, we've, I know in the past, in, in, uh, in the, over the past year, we've talked about delivery charges on some vehicles and how they keep creeping up uh, in a kind of hidden price increase, uh, particularly at FCA. You know, they're charging something like seventeen hundred dollars for delivery fees now on on uh, the Rams and the uh, the Jeeps. Um, so 1200 bucks is a relative bargain for that on this one. Um, so yeah, I mean, generally, you know, really nice, um, you know, slightly more premium, uh, compact crossover, you know, so if you're looking at something like, um, the Lexus, um, NX or the, um, you know, the Lincoln Corsair, uh, you know, like the base trim levels of the Corsair, um, you might want to take a look at one of these as an alternative. Um, you might like the, the style a little better or, or different, especially compared to the Lexus. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely worth taking a look at. I have that back in February. So a couple months back now. And um, I kind of had the similar feelings about it as you did. And I, I liked that the interior on it, 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 like Buick does a good job, you know, it, they want to be the upscale brand, but how do you be upscale without being so upscale that you become truly a luxury car brand that's stupidly expensive and they walk a fine line there? It does feel the interior is a really it's attractive. It's elegant. It, 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 they do mm -hmm. a good job for the prices, because what you say, that's like 41 something. Yeah, just try 42 grand. Just for 42. And, it you know, you don't get inside. It doesn't feel it doesn't have that, you know, $60,000 luxury car kind of aesthetic. But it feels like you, you did a little something extra. I think they did a good job about giving it a little bit of extra just with the way they've done some of the trims and the quality of the materials. So I, I was a big fan of the Envision. Yeah, and, and the exterior design too. I think you know really stepped up, stepped it up this time around for the second generation model. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Let's jump into some news items. Um, let's start off. Let's start off with uh, uh, an electric pickup truck um, that, for the moment at least, is not the, the Ford F one fifty Lightning. Um, <laughs> the uh, GMC Hummer <laughs> EV uh, that is launching this fall. Uh, interesting little tidbit of news came out a few days ago about it's this. It's not a little tidbit, technically. It's a huge tidbit. It, it is. It is. Mm-hmm, right? I mean, you know, this 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 is a pretty big truck, although. It's actually not as big as the F-150. You know, it's, uh, it you know, kind of slots in between a, a midsize, like the, the Colorado, and a full-size, uh, like the Silverado. Mm-hmm. And um, this thing weighs 9,034 pounds, curb weight. 9,000 pounds? Nine. It's a beefy, beefy truck. I've seen it in, in real life. I've sat in it. Um, there are a lot of H's on it, which I yes. assume are where all the weight, where all the weight comes from, because everything is an be. H. It must be because nine H is a big letter. So pounds, yeah. nine thousand. What do you do to make this thing weigh nine? Th- uh, I want to know what is the what was the structure like? Well, we can't really do any weight savings, so just dial with it. Nine thousand pounds. It is <laughs> like what happened there? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming you know they, they've talked a lot about how they reduced the development time. You know, and this, they did this this whole program in like 26 months from you know start of the program till job one, um, and apparently you know they kind of skipped over the step where they do weight optimization. <laughs> that was like, we cut this out, man. Yeah, we like, can be ready in no time. Let's, let's just, let's just make the entire underbody skid plate out of cast iron, you know, <laughs> I, you know or maybe there, lead. Yeah. And there, there is nothing more Hummer than the fact that the EV weighs 9,000 pounds. That is on brand. That is. Uh, this is true. This is true. Yeah, it's like is, totally it's, over the top, it, which is Hummer. So I guess they're staying true. Well, and and just for just for reference, you know, if you think back to the original H1 Hummer, which was the civilian version of the military Humvee, how much did that the, weigh? Those only weighed eight thousand pounds. Oh my god! So this is a thousand pounds heavier. Than how that are they thing. doing this? I I feel like there's an engineer somewhere listening, going, "Wait, wait, wait! I can explain. Hold on a second. Yeah. Now, gra- granted, you know, um, you know, I I talked to uh, a rep from GMC the other day, you know, just to verify this when when the news came out, <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, that that's the weight for the edition one or first edition or whatever the whatever the the, the first one they're they're building is," hmm. and. Um, you know, that one's loaded. I mean, it's, there's, it's got no options. Everything is standard on there, including like 18 cameras, but you know, I mean, cameras, you know, they weigh a How few ounces. How big are the cameras? I mean, I'm like, uh, that would, uh, they'd have I think to be they like be what using, you'd use like an NBC or something mounted on each corner of the car. I think they must be car, using like, big, <laughs> big Hasselblads or something yeah, mounted just, all over <laughs> the car. That's, it's almost part of that sort of weird, uh, that game where you have weight versus battery. Like how much, you know, you, they want 350 miles, so they have to add more battery, but that added more weight, but you need more battery in order to move the weight of the battery. And then it's just this big chunky car, <laughs> chunky yeah. truck. And so it's just like, well, how much is that is battery and how much, you know, where, where, where's the line? Where is the, yeah, where you do wonder you, where, what, like sort of like the break even point version, like, you know, like where the adding extra battery the weight no longer makes it worth it to keep doing this, you know? <laughs> well, they, you know, they, they've said, you know, it's a 200 kilowatt hour battery for this one. 
and you know and they, i think that they've said you know that the uh the energy density of this this battery the, their new ultium batteries is somewhere around 250 watt hours per kilogram so this battery should weigh about uh, somewhere between 25 and 2700 pounds which is you know bigger than most other evs but most other evs you know have at most like 100 to 140 kilowatt hour battery you know this you know this is 200 kilowatt hours yeah it's going to be heavy but still that's only you know Let's let's be conservative and say, you know, 27, 2,800 pounds. You know, where the hell is the other, you know, six thousand, six and a half thousand pounds in this thing? I, it, it's, I, it's, I, I'm baffled. I, I don't know when we see it. Well, you've seen it, Roberto. Does it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, is it all the H's? I mean, like you said, it is, is it all, all just it H feels, weight? <laughs> it feels heavy. It feels big and heavy. Um, just looking at it. Like, I didn't it pick it up. It looks heavy. but It looks heavy. You walk up to it. You're like, this feels... It it is a it is uh it's husky I guess you would call it I don't know husky. if it, <laughs> if it, were, it um, it's like you nicely called it fat oh he's just yeah, husky yeah. it's husky he's big it's big it's got big bones I mean it, it um it it is it, it has is a quint- quintessential American vehicle you know morbidly obese you know it is it is it is. Oh, God. It is none of uh, us are ever going to drive this car now. They're going to be like, get them, none of them, all the oh, way from no, in. get away from our, our get away from our Hummer EV. I mean, if I get in and it drives great, fine. But it is, yeah. uh, it yeah, it is something else. It is, and yeah, I mean, thousand horsepower and you know, um, zero to sixty in three seconds. You know, I guess right. But, if it if it performs the way it's supposed to perform, who cares how much it weighs? Is that going to be what it comes down well, to? Well, I think gonna... I think one of one of the challenges, you know, there's there's actually a lot of roads uh, in the United States, or, or a lot of bridges that you cannot cross with a vehicle that weighs over eighty five hundred pounds. Oh wait, you're kidding me! It's like eighty five, oh. like a magic number. Yeah, for... eighty five hundred is the the upper limit for uh, class one and class two A vehicles. So once oh, you go past cool. 8,500 pounds gross vehicle weight, so that's the weight of the vehicle plus whatever payload is in it, then um, you're into class 2B, you're into medium duty trucks. And, you know, this is 9,000 pounds empty. So right, with nobody in it, no you know, cargo, no you, nothing. You know, you, you put, you know, four adults in this thing and some cargo, you know, you're, you're going to be certainly over 10,000 pounds, you know, and maybe potentially approaching 11, depending on how much gear you've got with you. It's five tons of fun with you and all your friends. That's what it is. It, it certainly is. <laughs> it, it better be fun with that weight. This, yeah. Now I really am. Now I'm really curious to that, see because I I've been curious to see it because it does look really neat and I I wanted to see it in person at some point obviously, but seeing like pictures and then seeing that nine thousand pound number and like now I really want to see it. Like I want to like does it feel like nine thousand pounds? Like are the doors like you need to like work out to be able to shut the doors? Yeah, like, I, I, I so saw, like I want to know what makes it nine thousand pounds. I need I to saw know. it at the E V day at GM last year. You know, and uh, grant you know the one they had there was actually still a clay model. It wasn't it wasn't even a a, a full mock up of you know full um prototype. And you know it 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 didn't it's big, but I mean it doesn't look especially enormous compared to a lot of modern trucks. I mean, compared to the, uh, the Ram TRX I drove a couple of weeks ago, it's not really any bigger than that. In fact, I think it might be like physically dimensionally smaller than the TRX and the TRX weighs like 6,500 pounds. 
I pulled up next to a TRX with my daughter and she was in her new little uh, rogue sport and I felt so small. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's like the TRX is just towering above us as she's pulling into the spot. <laughs> you should try sitting next to it in a Miata. <laughs> Even more so. I, I, could, I, I feel like it could drive over you. You might have the clearance al- to do almost, that. Almost, so. almost. Not not Close. quite. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> I pulled out my Miata into the driveway to wash it when I had the TRX and you know had it parked next to it. And I'm looking up at this thing. It's like, <laughs> oh boy. You All can right. pull under and change the oil in your Miata and then pull right. back out. Yeah. <laughs> Just lay on the roof on your back. You can do the whole oh, thing. No. <laughs> Sticking with electric pickup trucks, um, a little more on the, uh, the F-150 Lightning, uh, which has now been revealed. Um, the, by the time that this recording is out, uh, we'll have the official word out on the F-150 Lightning Pro which um, is the commercial truck version. So this is, even though it's badged as pro, it's actually the base version of the F-150 Lightning, which is the, the electric F-150. Um, and, you know, this is the one that's targeting uh, commercial customers. And I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if this is actually the best selling version of the Lightning um, because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of appeal for commercial customers uh, for this thing, you know, especially in terms of low operating costs. This is the one when they talk about a $40,000 F-150 Lightning, this is the one that's going to be 40 grand is the, the Lightning Pro with the, um, the standard range battery pack, 230 mile battery pack. The extended range version for, with 300 miles of range, that one's going to be $50,000. So 10 grand more for the extra 70 miles of range. Um, and, you know, so this is, I mean, this is going to be configured, you know, pretty much like an XL, like a, a regular F-150 XL, basic work truck, vinyl interior. Um, but it still has, you know, a lot of features like the pro power on board, you know, to power your tools. Um, it has a 12 inch, you know, touchscreen with sync four in there. Um, you know, and a, a lot of the other goodies, you know, you isn't, got it, things. isn't it a fancy version of sync? Did I read it's like sync four a or something, which four. is like the latest and four. greatest fanciest version of sync ever made Four a is the version that's on the portrait 15 and a half inch screen. Oh, gotcha. So the, the, okay. That's where I'm the, seeing the, the four a screen from the, the mock E and that, that 15 and that same 15 and a half inch screen will be in the Lariat and platinum versions of the light. It's only the top. Okay. I wasn't sure what got the four A. So. Yeah. So there's, there's four trim levels. There's the, the pro, which is the base, the XLT, uh, which is the, the, the mid level. And then the, the Lariat and the platinum and the Lariat and the platinum get the big screen and the four A, which has a, a different, slightly different user interface because you know, the different layout. Um, and then, uh, the four is just the, the landscape layout. Um, so, uh, any thoughts on this thing? I, th- I mean, they're, they're, Ford has been building, you know, commercial grade, you know, contractors, uh, fleet, you know, the F-150, that's, you know, you look in, in almost any municipality, they probably have a ton of F-150s. If you, you talk to most contractors are driving around in a white F-150. And so this is, you know, it, this is a, a huge, huge base of customers and making sure they're like, hey, we're making this for you. And it has all these telematics and all this information that helps them sort of track how the truck's being used, you know, track individual drivers, like all the things are sort of baked into it. I mean, it's 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 sort of a no-brainer and it really, really puts a stake in the heart of Lordstown, which was trying to like, Hey, we're making a, you know, a, 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 a commercial grade truck for, for everyone to use. Like, are you going to buy 
the F-150 from Ford that's less expensive from a brand that's been around for 100 years, or are you going to buy from Lordstown, which is, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was watching the, the briefing earlier today um, on the the um, the commercial truck. And, you know, they talked about some things like, you know, from that telematics data that they have, you know, from from all their customers. They found that 95 percent of the commercial users drive less than 175 miles a day, uh, which is actually you know quite a bit. But 95 percent you know, less than 175 miles. So that they, they figure for the vast majority of customers, that 230 mile range is actually going to be more than adequate. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the longer range version available as well. One of um, and the one of the other key things they mentioned, you know, is that Ford now 2300 of Ford's dealers across the United States are EV certified. So they're certified to service these things to work on these things um, and they will have the tools and the spare parts so even if you have something like um, a battery you know that need you know that has a bad module in it that you can take it to a Ford to one of these certified Ford dealers they can pull that battery replace the module and have it back in and back to you the same day mm -hmm. you know whereas Lordstown has no service network, you know, the, who, who's going to work on these things when they have problems, which they probably will, you know, yeah. um, poor Lordstown. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Lordstown has been a boondoggle from the start. I mean, it's a yeah. company, yeah. it's a company based on a failed, another failed company that's paying the failed company for every truck they build. So it's just, you, when you, when you look at just everything around Lordstown, you're just like, wait a second, what's going on here? <laughs> You know, what I feel, I feel bad for the, the people that live in that area that got laid off when GM closed the plant, when they stopped building the crews there. And, you know, then, you know, Lorestown swept in and you had some guy from Washington who came in and made a big deal about all this, you know, about how this was going to save, you know, the, 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 you know, the Northeast Ohio region, you know, turn it into, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Electron Alley, I think, or something like that. Uh, you know, I like to think it was Electric Avenue, that song yeah. from the 80s. So yeah. everybody enjoy that earworm now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you're right, Robbie. This, you know, Steve Burns, the CEO of Lordstown, you know, he, there was a lot of shady stuff that went on when he ran Workhorse Group. And, you know, Workhorse, you know, has never ha had much success at all. You know, and they basically, they essentially got this plant for free from GM. Yeah. They, they technically, they paid GM $20 million for the factory, but GM had to give them a $40 million loan so that they could pay GM back $20 million for the factory. And they still <laughs> oh, had God. some cash left over because they had some fun accounting. <laughs> oh yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the only reason that this enterprise even exists is because, you know, when GM shut down the plant, you know, they got so much bad press. They just they just wanted it to go away. And they said, fine, take the plant. We'll give you some money, you know, mm -hmm. do something, please. You know, and you know, meanwhile, GM is building a battery plant, you know, basically next door. So, well, when Lordstown, if when and if Lordstown goes out of business, then they can just take back over that and build some more stuff or another automaker could like come in and like, you know, 
They can just keep sell it to the next one and sell it to the next one and sell it to the next one. Yeah, eventually they'll make a profit, right? Maybe maybe when Rivian is ready for a second plant, they can come in and take it over. (laughs) They can be like, hey, guys, let's take that off your hands. We can help. (laughs) We got we got a lot of money in the bank and actual car, actual trucks to run. If you actual uh... vehicles. So, hey, (laughs) and real partners, not letters of intent. Next up. Kia EV6, um, as we record last night in Times Square, uh, Kia had a big event and unveiled the EV6, which is their first purpose-built EV, uh, not their first EV. They've had the Soul before, and they've got the uh, the Kia Niro uh, EV as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the EV6 is their first entry off of this new glo- global electric platform that uh Hyundai Motor Group has developed that's going to be used by Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis uh, vehicles over the next several years. I think they've they said they're going to have 23 different models off of this platform by 2025. And uh, we've already seen the, the Hyundai Ionic 5, uh, which should be arriving here this sometime this summer. EV6 is coming uh, beginning of next year. Um, what do you think of this car? I... Uh, it, okay, first of all, I, 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 I am still angry. I'm not angry, but disappointed <laughs> that no one said, hey, maybe we should not call it the EGMP because it says eGIMP for their, <laughs> for their electri- electronic platform. Um, oh, geez. Until you said that. <laughs> I'm oh. like, what is he talking about? And I looked at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Now I've ruined it for, for you, <laughs> you and for every, everyone listening. Dang it, Roberto. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay, that's okay. I'll get over it. I'm shaking I, I it off. Apologize. Um, okay. I, I, but you know what? I really, I, I, I'm happy that the the Hyundai Group is going with an 800 volt system. Ford, the F150, 400 volts. Uh, yep. BMW, uh, Mercedes, 400 volts. So I'm like, what are these people doing? You need the 800 volt system if you want to have that quick charging. If you want to just mm-hmm. point at Tesla and say, hey, we can charge as quickly as whatever you're building. You know, right. now we're just waiting for the infrastructure in order to quicker, do it. Actually. Yeah, quicker. It's like, you know, what is it? Uh, 350? Three, 350 kilowatts. So, yeah. you know, they can go to any of the uh, 600 plus uh, Electrify America stations now and find a 350 kilowatt charger and, and top this thing up. Uh, right they can, it can get up to it can go for 10 to 80 percent, which is 210 miles in 18 minutes. Yep. Bam. That's fast. That is, that is fast. That's that's faster than a Porsche Taycan. Yeah. So the Taycan only does 270. So, so yeah, it, it is, you know, I like, I like the way it looks, but the, the, the Hyundai looked better. The Ionic 5. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this, this is, this is an interesting new design direction, I think, for Kia. Um, I think the, the, one of the neat elements is at the tail, you know, it's got kind of this little mini duck tail type of thing, you know, that incorporates the light strip all the way around it. Uh, you know, and they're calling this thing a, a crossover, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's more, more like, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the hell to call this thing. Is it a, well, yeah, CUV, right? Crossover. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, yeah it's a slightly it, taller five door hatch. Yeah. It looks sort of hatchbacky, but I, I get it. I get the crossover. It's a squished yeah. crossover. Yeah. It's got a very short. That doesn't hood. have any kind of marketing ring to it, though. No. The new Kia Squished, squished crossover, <laughs> I, but um, but it, it's 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 very low. The roof is very low, so I don't I don't know. But but Maybe is it low person, or is it? it, 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 it 
Is it lower? Is, that, is it a trick? Because the Ionic Five is like the same height as like a CRV, right? Like I, this is really like I'm looking I, at I think pictures. It's a visual trick. So yeah. it, does it just make it look very it low can, to try to make it look somehow like you know everybody wants the sleek and sporty thing going on? Yeah, is that what got, they're trying that to really do? Short hood, you know, because yeah, the, the base it's of the really short. Comes right up, mm-hmm. you know, to like the middle yeah. of the, the, you know, right up to the front axle, and so you've I, got a long greenhouse that I think makes it visually look lower than it is. I like the profile though. Like there's this one really cool profile oh, shot that nice. they have, and it it looks pretty. It looks slick. I like it. I like it. And, I think and it then looks cool. They're, they are all, they're going to have um, the GT model with uh, 576 horsepower, zero to sixty in less than three and a half seconds, which will be the quickest Kia ever. The quickest Kia ever. Ever. I think this is going to be cool. I like the the interior design stuff that they showed off too, because Kia always does sort of fun stuff with lighting. It's like it's its own little segment, fun with lighting from Kia. Like they always do these <laughs> neat little interior treatments. And when you look at the in- interior shots of this, they've done some neat stuff. It, it's it's got some nice interior lighting, and it seems like it has a nice design. I like how they have even the cell phone charger positioned on the um, center console. Is the start button on that too? Looks like it, yeah. The start button's on the center console. That's kind of slick. It just has a different look. I like it when they do something different and attractive and eye-catching, and it definitely has that. It also has an augmented reality heads-up display. Um, So, you know, the heads-up display will display uh, information in multiple planes. You know, so like um, heads-up displays today, you know, you see the information floating above your hood somewhere, and everything's in in the same plane. You know, so it's the same focus point, but this is going to be um, multiple planes. So when you're using navigation and, you know, it's telling you where to turn, it'll actually it'll look like the arrows are actually on the road at the point where you're supposed to turn. And, and as you get closer to it, you know, it'll grow and and uh you know okay they they show an image of exactly what you're talking about and they show the one that just has arrows pointing to the left which kind of looks like the traditional head-up display we're all used to but the the arrows to the right that are angled and look like they're that is actually kind of neat that would be really neat to teach because there's the worst when you're trying to follow the right turn and you're looking at a right you're like where is where is my right in real time oh wait there it is behind Uh, me uh, now like you know right so to see this and have it kind of angling like right about here that would be really neat i like this do that on all the head-up displays there well there there will be several next year the cadillac lyric is also going to have the same type of system similar kind of thing that's a cool system i would like to see that live and in person and see if it keeps me from missing as many turns as i currently miss so and and, and of course (laughs) since this is electric and it's so quiet you'll actually really be able to take advantage of the Kia Sounds of Nature feature as well. <laughs> it's raining. And you're like, what? Okay, sure. I'll just turn that you're on. sitting in a Paris cafe. <laughs> the cafe one, I had it kept coming up to cafe and something I was driving. And my daughter's like, why does this sound like a coffee shop in the car? I'm like, oh, let me turn that off. <laughs> it also, this, I wonder if it still has the recorder, like the voice recorder. Like you can just record your voice. Like there's a voice recorder in, yeah. in Kia Hyundai's. And so sometimes I will just like record my voice. And I'm like, hey, it's Roberto Baldwin. Hi, fellow automotive journalist. And then I'll just leave it there and go on my way. I have no oh, idea. I so want to get a car that you drove and did that in. Dang it, but you're too far away. Okay, let's get on to um, some um, listener questions or comments. Uh, first one uh, was an email that came in from Jonathan Bonestiel. Uh 
And he sent us a photograph. There's no actual question. Just sent us a photograph and, and just had the comment, shouldn't this be in Australia? And uh, if you scroll down and, and look at that, you will see a photo of uh, what appears to be a Holden Ute, which is the Australian word for pickup truck. Um, you know, this, these are, you know, back before GM and Ford stopped building vehicles in Australia, they used to build these car-based pickup trucks, you know, that were essentially modern day iterations on the classic El Camino idea. Um, and interestingly, <clears throat> this car was photographed, oh, about five minutes from my house, um, <laughs> right in front of the Epsi food co-op where I go, <laughs> where I go every Saturday morning to pick up Maybe some stuff. Maybe this guy was stalking you. Was he waiting to see you on and, your Saturday morning grocery run? And he's like, wait, cool car. Forget it, about it, Sam. It, it could be. Yeah, it, it could very well be. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, thinking about this, you know, you know, there's a, there's a regulation that now, uh, they changed some years back that once uh, a car that was built for uh, an overseas market is more than 25 years old, you can now import them into the United States without having to go through the process of federalizing it without meeting U.S. emission standards and you know putting U.S. headlights and bumpers and all the other stuff. So if it's over 25 years old, you can import it. This car is very clearly not 25 years old. You know, this, this is a car that was built somewhere in the, the latter half of the 2000s, maybe early 2010s, um, based on on the model that this is, and so you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been able to import this, you know, without going through the normal uh, federalization process and getting it certified. Are there that many things that you would have to change on this? Uh, there's quite a few, yeah. Yeah, and it would be significant. Like the, the, yeah, there's there's a fairly significant number. But there is one possible explanation for why this car exists in Ypsilanti. If you'll recall, back in 2008, um, bef- uh, or was it two- maybe it was 2009? In 2008, just before um, everything went sideways and GM went through bankruptcy and they killed off Pontiac and um, uh, Saturn and uh, Saab and Hummer, they at the 2008 New York Auto Show, their, the Pontiac press conference had a very interesting pairing on the stage, Bob Lutz and Fiddy Cent, there to announce the Pontiac G8 SUT, I think they called it, um, which was basically one of these Utes because, you know, G- Pontiac had been selling the G8, which was a, a U.S. version of the, uh, the Holden Commodore for several years. And people had been clamoring, please bring us the pickup. We, you know, we want a modern El Camino. Yeah. And so they announced it. They showed it on stage at the New York Auto Show. I was there at that press conference. And that's the last time we ever saw it. Because <laughs> less than a year later, the Pontiac brand was dead. Gone. The G8 was dead. The, the, the pickup was dead. Um, Everything was and, dead. But in that time period in that interim, you know, GM had certainly brought over some of those vehicles and they, you know, they were doing the development work and going through the certification process. Cause it was, it was supposed to go on sale in 2009. So they would have had some here that were, um, us legal. And 
my guess is that this is one of those development vehicles that somehow slipped through the cracks and got out of the Milford Proving Grounds. Yeah, because it shouldn't have. If it's a development, it should have like died it should, there. It should have it gone should to never the have, It should yeah. never have made it. Its life should have ended in a squish. But um, unless, you know, unless it, it was uh, like a late pre-production model. Yeah, because when they're going through the launch process, you know, once they've finished development and they're going through, um, you know, getting getting everything, you know, the final certification, the the last, you know, few dozen, few hundred pre-production cars that they build are technically what they call saleable. So they they are compliant with all the rules. um, But, you know, they're those are usually kept you know, um, within the company and they're driven by employees, you know, to, for a few months as part of what they call a captured test fleet to shake them out, find any last minute bugs and things like that. My guess is this is one of those late pre-production models that was, um, considered saleable and some GM engineer decided I want it, bought it, and then replaced the Pontiac badges with Holden badges. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because if, be. if, if it was in the, if they had kept it as like a museum piece, then it would still have the Pontiac badges. Right. There you go. They would have messed with Because that was my thought. I'm like, but if it has the Holden badges. Right. The Holden badges mess up that theory. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So some yeah. random, I don't know. You see, now you have to pay more attention when you're at the market, Sam. See if yeah. you can see this guy. Throw yourself in front of the vehicle and say, stop. We need I, to know I, how you got this here. <laughs> I, I, will, I will definitely be keeping an eye out for this vehicle now. I feel like if we call GM, they're going to they're going to like chase, like hunt this guy down and take his car I know, away. It'll be the guys going to be like, dang it, you guys, you busted. Come on. Come on. Don't be a narc. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a narc. <laughs> OK. Uh, we also got some questions from uh, some listeners um, on Twitter. Um, first one is from somebody named Rebecca drives. I no idea who she is. Who the heck is that? I don't know, but, uh, she had three questions, really. Three, um, three. I know she's overdoing That's it. That's not but, really allowed for future uh, reference, Rebecca. Okay. It's one question per listener. Yeah. Or at least one question per tweet. Per tweet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all three of them were in the same question? They were, they were the same all tweet? in the same tweet. Yeah. So the three questions are, what is the meaning of life? What 42. are you wearing? And are you my mother? <laughs> so let's start with you nicole what, you, what is the meaning of life it's isn't it isn't it 42 the answer to the meaning of the question isn't that am i getting the right thing hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy or uh, one of those things i, do believe, I do believe that is the correct answer yes. i believe 42 is the correct answer thank you very yeah. much what am i wearing a jean jacket are you my mother no no i'm not i'm not can't help you with that one <laughs> robbie you have any responses uh, okay so the meaning of life is um have fun, but not at the expense of others. Um, I am wearing, um, I don't know, a hoodie and a shirt. I, I had to wear a, a, a button-up shirt because I had a drive program earlier today. And what was the last question? Oh, no, uh, I am no... Are I, you, yeah, are I, you Rebecca's not. mother? I okay. don't believe so. I'm pretty sure I'm not. I would say I'm 97% sure that I am not Rebecca's mother. Okay. Um, I, I can say with, uh, I, I'm going to go with 99% certainty that I am not Rebecca's mother. Only um, 99. There's that 1% possibility. Okay. I appreciate you can, you can never be being... absolute about these things. Yeah. You know, okay. I, that's I mean, fair. That's fair, Sam. That's fair. You know, you, you always got to leave a little wiggle room and you know, okay. I mean, I, I have worked in PR in the past, so I know <laughs> the importance of leaving, of using weasel words. Um, what am I wearing? I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a, a Mustang t-shirt and shorts. 
Um, and the meaning of life is um, whatever the hell you think it is, whatever you want it to be. <laughs> whatever. Enjoy, enjoy it. All right. Uh, it is coming up on 928 uh, Eastern time. And I believe you have to leave, right, Nicole? I do. I have to disappear. I'm picking up a, a child who is arriving back from college and she will be at the airport standing there sadly with her bag uh, if I don't show up. So I'm going to have to cut out a little bit early, guys, but it is fun. And, uh, you know, be nice while I while I disappear and you finish the podcast. And I'll see you guys next week. All right. See you next time. Bye, Nicole. Bye. All right. Um, and then next, next question came from coach Cabrera. Uh, what is the long-term plan for disposing of all these electric car batteries? Uh, it's a good question. Cause there's going to be a hell of a lot of them. Uh, I think the big thing is recycling, trying to recycle because we're going to be making so many batteries. Uh, in fact, one thing we didn't talk about was, uh, Ford this morning announced a joint venture with SK innovation. They're going to get into battery cell production as well, along with GM and Volkswagen and Stellantis and probably other automakers. Um, and you know, they talked about, uh, Ford alone for just for North America expects that by 2030, they're going to need 140 gigawatt hours a year worth of lithium ion batteries. Um, and so that's going to take a lot of raw materials, you know, that raw materials that are not currently mined and processed like lithium mm -hmm. and manganese and nickel and cobalt, uh, at least not in sufficient quantities. And so the, the key is going to be recycling these batteries and getting those raw materials back out of depleted batteries and putting them back into new batteries. Yeah, a lot, and and, you know, and so there's there's recycling. You want to extract all the the important bits back out of the batteries, and and a lot of automakers are also talked about how you could repurpose the batteries because if you take a battery out of a car, which is a pretty extreme environment, and you do something like a power wall, like Tesla's power wall, where you have an environment where you could the battery isn't being charged and discharged as 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 quickly and as heavily as it would in a car, and it would work great in you know homes or in, um, you know, manufacturer settings or, you know, in those like, you know, the giant sort of uh, power grid uh, instead of using peakers, um, you know, more and more uh, utilities are using uh, batteries connected to some, you know, either solar or wind. And so that's another way that you can, you know, continue to use the battery as long as it has something um, usable in it. And then once once it gets to it, it's completely depleted. Then you start, you know, ripping them apart and 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 getting all those those sweet sweet delicious minerals. <laughs> yeah. Did did you see the um uh the video that Volkswagen put out uh I don't know, I guess about a month and a half, 2 months ago. Um they have a, a pilot recycling plant in Germany and they they had a video showing the shredder that they have for battery modules. Oh wow, no, I missed that. Oh, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll put I'll put a link to it in the uh in the show notes, but basically, you know, if if you think of what a paper shredder looks like, Mm -hmm. Imagine one scaled up that can take an aluminum box, you know, that's maybe two feet by, you know, eight inches high and a foot wide. Um, and you just drop that box in there and it shreds it into little shreds, into little, little chunks that they can then take and process to extract all those materials back out of it. It's, it's really amazing to watch. Wow. And then, you know, it's it's funny because you think, well, maybe they open it up and they very gently pull things out. You're like, nope, shred it and suck everything out. <laughs> yep. No, you know, they, they all all they do is they make sure that the um, 
you know, the battery is completely discharged first before mm-hmm. they stick it in there and then just drop it in there and shred it and, and run it through a bunch of processes to get the, and they, they, VW claims that they can get back about 95% of the, the key raw materials out of this. So the aluminum, the, uh, lithium, manganese, cobalt, and, uh, um, nickel. Wow. So that's impressive. And that's now, yeah. and that's, you know, that's, as we're sort of on the cusp of start, like, you know, EVs becoming mainstream vehicles, um, you know, in five years, I, I would hope they could, you know, bring that up to 98, 99%. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One last one uh, from Oleg Kolipave. Uh, Kol- 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 Sorry if I've mangled your last name there, Oleg. Um, <clears throat> in light of uh, the changes at Waymo recently, they've had some management changes. John Krafcek uh, stepped down as CEO. Um, and um, actually, they uh, just a report, a report just came out saying that they're looking to raise another $4 billion in external funding. Um, how many players in autonomous cars will we have in five years? Uh, do you see any being acquired uh, by the car manufacturers? Um, so right now, I would, I would wager that uh, it, by 2025, 26 timeframe, we will probably be down to maybe 10 major players. It might, mm-hmm. it might well be less than that. Um, you know, I think most of the smaller companies will have gotten either acquired by somebody um, uh, or gone out of business by that time. Uh, and probably by the end of the decade, we'll probably be down to five or six. Um, but I don't actually see most of these companies being acquired by, by automakers. Uh, you know, there, there are a number of them like Cruise that is majority owned by GM and Honda right now. Um, Argo AI is mostly owned by Volkswagen and Ford. Um, but I think, you know, I think what's more likely to happen is rather than being acquired by car makers, um, they're, they're going to stay independent. And in fact, the ones that are currently controlled by automakers are all looking at potential IPOs in the next mm-hmm. couple of years, uh, including potentially Waymo, uh, you know, which might IPO, you know, out of, uh, out of alphabet. Um, so, you know, have, have you heard anything different? No, you know, and, and I think what's, what's happened in the last year and a half, two years is everyone has come to the, the realization that autonomous vehicles are incredibly difficult. It is not as easy as everyone thought. They knew it would be hard, but they didn't realize how hard and they didn't realize how the resources needed that just, just the cash. And then Waymo needs $4 billion, four billion that is that is a lot of money and waymo has been testing forever and they still you know we still don't have an autonomous car as far as you know and i still i mean i'm still thinking we're you know another decade before you know someone can buy a a a, a consumer autonomous car it is it is it is far more difficult than people realize and i think there was a rush like there's a rush right now on ev stocks i think there was sort of a rush on you know investing in um, autonomous vehicles. And now that rush has sort of come to an end as everyone's sort of like, oh, this is really, really hard. And so, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation. And, you know, like, like, you know, like you said, there's going to be companies that are invested in by um, automakers, but don't, you know, outright controlled by them because the automakers at this point are sort of like, well, this is a lot of money. Why don't we just like help these other people? And then when they have it, then we can use it. Yeah. 
And, you know, in the meantime, you know, what they're doing is they're taking some of the lessons that have been learned, uh, both, you know, in terms of software, but also, you know, some of the heart, some of the, the sensor developments and incorporating that into more advanced driver assist systems. So, you know, we're, we're going to we're starting to see cars coming to market this year and next with LIDAR sensors um, with, you know, you're going to see start seeing vehicles with imaging radar sensors Um near infrared cameras, um, you know, all, all kinds of features that were developed for automated driving. But, you know, some of that technology is ready now. And so they can start getting some return on their investment by, by incorporating that and improving the capability of their, their ADAS systems um, and making, making conventional vehicles, human-driven vehicles, safer. Yeah, I mean the the use of lidar as as an additional sensor in the vehicle to make it safer is is great because you know there's there there are you know there's limitations to a camera there's limitations to radar there's limitations to ultrasonic and so when you have a, a you know essentially if you have a lot of sensors you have a lot of redundancy so if something isn't working because of inclement weather or you know something got on the sensor you know that's just one more piece of equipment that's going to you know maybe a, a emergency brake maybe emergency you know uh, you know, turn left or right, you know, every, every little sensor, everything you put on the, that, that creates additional redundancy, especially in emergency situations is a good thing. And, you know, the price is coming down on things like LIDAR and stuff where, you know, before it was like, it's $160,000 or some ridiculous amount. And, you know, that those prices have dropped, uh, a lot. Yeah. I mean, some of the, you know, some of the low end flash LIDARs are, you know, in the range of, you know, uh, up to a couple hundred dollars now or less, yeah. uh, which, you know, that's, that's the point where it starts to become viable to install those on vehicles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the high performance LIDARs are still several thousand dollars, but, um, and those are, you know, still primarily just for, you know, the uh, fully automated vehicles. But um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to see a lot more of that technology filtering down into the vehicles that we drive every day over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's smarter safety features is, is is essentially what's what's coming for the next you know five ten years. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Um, you got anything interesting going on this week? Uh, what do I have going on this week? Oh, I'm getting the Polestar tomorrow. The Polestar, Polestar Two. I've oh excellent. driven it. I've driven it. You know, briefly. You know, like you know, for an hour or two. Um, so I'll have that for a few days, and I'll have a review of that uh coming to Engadget. um yeah i'm getting the id4 for like the 30th time i'm doing a <laughs> review of that um yeah and then oh i also get the hodna ridgeline and the um oh dear i can't remember the little like crazy thing uh raptor no anyway they have like a little four-wheel drive uh like it, it yeah it's oh, a crazy the, off-road um, thing. What's it called? Yeah, uh, I, I know the one. You're, the Honda, Talon. Right? Uh, the Talon. The Talon, yes. The Honda Talon. The side-by-side. Side. The side-by-side. You can take your friend and scare the hell out of them on a dirt road or sand or whatever. Cool. So, I, yeah, I got a... Oh, man, I have a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, when you're a freelancer, it's better than the opposite, so... Yeah, yeah. It's just always like, okay, I got to do this. I got to run As long as you this. can find somebody to pay for all the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got to be like, hey, you want to give me some money? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.